As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo archaeology. Hello and welcome to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 104, and I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella. Tonight, we are exploring the mystery spot in Santa Cruz, California. One part mystery and one part spot. So tonight we're going to take a little tour back into the recesses of my brain, even farther back than usual. We're going to go back to, I think, 1986, give or take, where I was a maybe 14-year-old teenager, and I went to the mystery spot as part of a birthday party. Now, as we discuss and have a little fun with the mystery spot, I have to admit to you guys that today is going to be a lot of pseudo and not too much archaeology, although there's a little bit right at the end. I just thought I'd do this one because it's fun and it goes with the overall feel of a lot of the other places we've been exploring. Now, as I said at the top, the mystery spot is in Santa Cruz, California. It's really in the hills right above Santa Cruz out in the redwoods, right? It has that really kind of forested feel to it, which is part of how it works. More on that later. So we drove up there for this party. And this is this is like me and my friends all getting in a car with like the parents of the birthday boy. I think it was one of those things where the dad drove one car and the mom drove the other car. And there were like, you know, maybe five of us who were going to go check this out as part of the birthday celebration. Now we were from the East Bay. This is basically Oakland, California, San Leandro, if you must know. And to get from the East Bay area down towards Santa Cruz, you had to take Highway 17 and Highway 17 was full of about 4,000 dead man's curves because the highway wiggled through the, the hills, the sort of mountainous region between the Bay Area and the beach, 
where Santa Cruz would be, right? So this is this is a windy mountain road that was like full speed, you know. So you could go, I mean, it was posted 55 at the time, but everyone went 75. And it was a two-lane road with a middle passing lane. So basically tailor-made for head-on collisions. That's what you would have on Highway 17. Highway 17 is still there today. They have done away with most of the center passing lane situation, thankfully for all humans involved. But so the trip up to the mystery spot was an exciting bit of adventure in itself. But as we got up there, we had a secret or two amongst us. Now, we were all super jazzed to go see this mystery spot because everyone kind of knows it in the Bay Area. You've heard of it. Oh, yeah, the mystery spot. Isn't that thing up in the hills by Santa Cruz? And you have to picture this in your mind that my friends and I were not the most popular people there ever were. In fact, if you are fans of the show Stranger Things, that's me and my friends. I mean, the timing is perfect. The grade is perfect. To give you guys an idea, Stranger Things takes place in the early to mid 1980s. And I was the exact same age as those kids. Basically, when I watched that show, I'm like, oh, there's my bike. Oh, there's my room. Oh, there's my friends. Oh, there's all of my childhood experiences. It's like it's like my my mom had a garage sale and the Stranger Things producers went and bought all our stuff for the background props. But anyway, me and my friends were just as nerdy as those Stranger Things kids. Also, to add to this, I did indeed dress up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween of like 1985 or so just to color this story a little bit. So me and my nerdy friends were all in two cars driving up to the mystery spot. And the secret that we held was that as we were driving to the mystery spot, we had brought a compass. Oh, we did. I believe we may have even brought several. Why is this a big deal? Because the setup of the mystery spot is this. The mystery spot is basically a cabin in the woods. And if you're thinking in your mind of any creepy cabin in any horror movie, the answer is yes. Right. That's what this thing is. It's this tilted, odd cabin. What's a couple other things around it, too? And there's a story that most people in the area kind of know of like, oh, you know, a crater slammed into that area sometime way back. And the forces from the meteorite and the ensuing crater make compasses go awry. In fact, airplanes are not allowed to fly over the mystery spot. And these stories are just kind of known. It's so funny when people see an advertisement for the mystery spot. They go, oh, yeah, the place where the compasses don't work, you know. So me and my friends, as kind of the nerdy super sleuths that we were, we're like, hey, 
when we go to the mystery spot, we're going to bring a compass. We're going to see if the compass points north and we're going to solve the mysteries of the mystery spot. Ha <laughs> Right. And realize this is at a time when you are at your like maximum nerdiness, right? Just like the Strangers Things cast. You're in eighth grade or so. You're like 13, 14, you know. So this is actually a thing. You're like, yeah, we're going to solve the mystery spot. And, 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 and then maybe some girls will like us. Unfortunately, that part didn't really work. But no matter. We had exciting visions of debunking this mythology in our heads as we drove up the very windy and very dangerous Highway 17 towards the mystery spot, this odd cabin in the woods with compasses secretly located in our pockets. When we return, the history of the mystery spot. Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 104. And today we are talking about the mystery spot in lovely Santa Cruz, California. When I last left you guys, me and my ragtag group of friends was driving up towards the windy road of the mystery spot. Now, what is the mystery spot precisely? All right, here's the deal. And as we talk about this story, I think you guys will really notice how similar it is to so many other stories that we've talked about here on the Pseudo-Archaeology podcast. Now, the mystery spot was first opened in 1939 by this guy named George Prather. And George was... I don't know, kind of a handyman of sorts. He was kind of like an electrician slash mechanic slash inventor kind of guy. And even when I tell you guys that, aren't you like, huh? Yeah, I've heard this before, right? It, it sounds so similar, you know, again, to the backstory to something like the thing, right? So similar where you have this person who kind of has this wild idea to kind of take advantage of the roadside attraction craze of this time, right? The automobile is now very uh, reachable to a average kind of middle-class family and they can take these road trips and they want to stop to see these oddities, right? What I found was that George picked the site of the mystery spot in the hills above Santa Cruz because he actually felt a little woozy while he was walking around. And that wooziness is the key to the mystery of the mystery spot, right? And actually, I got to tell you guys, I mean, the mystery spot is popular ever since 1939. I mean, people have been coming to this and, and experiencing it. Now, what, what do I mean by like feeling woozy? There's, there's certain very specific areas in kind of hilly, woody terrain. One of the keys to this is that it's a forested area. Where as you walk around, you just feel kind of woozy. Now, is that the gravity vortex taking hold? No. Actually, this is a phenomenon called a gravity hill. So this is one of those ones where a slight downhill slope will appear as an uphill slope. 
if that makes sense. You guys have probably seen this in, in other times and places. You maybe seen YouTube videos on it or seen it in shows where they're like mysteries of the unexplained, right? The reality is it, it messes with your equilibrium a bit. And the reason why these gravity hills work is because there's a ton of trees and you can't see the horizon, right? That's what's key with all this. So you just get a little off kilter and what is truly a slightly downhill slope appears uphill and then in actually a genius move george like found this location basically by feel and was like all right i'm gonna buy this property and then he builds this like really tilted sort of silly cabin where when you walk up to it you can tell it's obviously tilted and it's it's almost Disney-fied in a way to make it look like some old logger's cabin or something that is just sort of naturally tilted due to time and the elements, right? But it hasn't. When you come up on it, it's built that way. It's built to take advantage of the wooziness of the natural gravity hill and augment it, right? And so it's actually, in terms of construction or planning, is, is really well done. And so when you go experience the mystery spot, you kind of walk on to the property and you're met by a guide. A guide will take you around, right? So the little cabin is the main part. And you look at the cabin from the outside, it's all tilted. And the guide is there to add the cover story, right? He's there to be like, the reason this is the way it is, is because, well, we are standing friends on the place of a mysterious meteor strike. Again, where compasses do not work and planes do not fly overhead. After this cabin was built, it naturally fell to its side a little bit due to the vortex's pull. Right? And the, the host is part of this show. He kind of keeps it going, keeps it true. I got to say, when my... 14-year-old friends and I were, were walking around, you know, we were in our 14-year-old in our world being like, whatever, dude. But I got to say the host, it, the, the guide rather, it was he was like an older guy and he was kind of crotchety and it worked perfectly, right? He seemed like some old prospector who just was down on his luck and had to like take us around. You know, he's like, ah, so anyway, oh, you want to know about gravity vortex as well? So there I was, 1859, right? It, it felt like that. It, it felt honest to his truth, if that makes sense. So you walk into the cabin and the tiltedness of it is immediately sort of disconcerting. I remember that the mom who had brought us there was like, guys, I feel kind of sick. Because that's what it'll do. That's that wooziness that George felt years before right and it's because you're sort of uh, off balance out of equilibrium and the house is tilted in a way where if one person stands like to the further corner and one person stands close you will look like taller or shorter or you will look like you are standing at an impossible angle and that's just because your equilibrium's off and you forget where true up down is so it looks like everyone is naturally standing too far sideways right and so that, of course, is the gravity vortex at work. And of course, it's not. It's just your perspective is so messed up and you are starting to feel a little sick and you're like, wow, everybody's sideways. Because of the sort of 
wrong facing slope of the area. They also have other things beyond the cabin. I think there was like a log you could stand on and um, you would stand on either end and a tall person would look short and the short person would look taller, right? All because of this messing with your perspective. And there's a couple other things as well. And you just sort of walk around. The tour guide takes you around. He augments the stories of the meteor strike and the electromagnetic field that is awry and, and sort of messing everything up in this mystery location. I remember our guide also talked about that NASA had come by, right? And because they'd written to NASA and NASA had sent a specialist out. And he, the guy told us, he, he's like, and I, the specialist said, and I quote, this is interesting. <laughs> which is, of course, what a guy's going to say if the guy from NASA even came out, which I think they did. I think it was actually true. But the guy was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, and of course, the rest of the quote is, but it's a natural gravity hill, which is just sort of a fun thing. They, they left that part of the quote out. How dare they? So as we walked around with our guide, our old crotchety guide, telling us about meteors and magnetic fields, we all semi-secretly took our compasses out of our pocket and we looked at them and they worked. What? The compass worked? Oh, no. The mystery spot demystified. And I have to say, it was a lot of fun, though, right? As we were doing it, as we, as our 14-year-olds were going, hey, look, look, it's still pointing north and it's real. There, I remember there was a grown-up guy who just happened to be walking by with his snuck-in compass as well, and he was triumphantly whispering to himself, another mystery solved. I totally remember that, right? And so, Honestly, in a place like the mystery spot, right, we're going we're going for for two reasons, right? We're 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 going to enjoy the messing with our own senses, right? We're going to enjoy the fun. We're going to enjoy the even the history to a degree of like, oh, look at this funky cabin. I remember my uncle talking about this. You know, it's been there for a long time, right? We go to debunk. I'm sure we weren't the first Stranger Things kids to come with our secret compasses, right? With our scientific angle to expose the mystery spot. And there's the fun in that, right? And I think maybe there's a third reason too, that we go to the mystery spot to say we've been there, right? Because people know it in that area. And then you can go, when the mystery spot comes up, you can go, yeah, I've been there. You know, people go, ooh, really? What was it like? Right. It's this known roadside attraction that has just been popular for what is that now? 80 years. Pretty impressive. When we come back, what to do with the mystery spot? Welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 104. And today we've been talking about the mystery spot over in the hills overlooking Santa Cruz, California. And we've talked about the history of the mystery spot. We've talked about my own experiences at the mystery spot. And now we're at the point where we have to ask, 
what should we do with the mystery spot? Should we cancel the mystery spot? Should we write things on Twitter about how problematic the mystery spot is? No, the mystery spot is fun. Let's be honest, right? It, again, it reminds me so much of the thing and other kind of roadside attractions. It's Americana, you know, of that sort of age of the of the cheap automobile and the family taking a trip, right? Roadside attraction, buy the t-shirt, buy the bumper sticker and say, you've been to the mystery spot. You've experienced the mystery of the mystery spot, right? Which honestly, that brings us to a bit of a conundrum in this whole pseudo-archaeology thing, doesn't it? Is every pseudo-archaeology example out there truly terrible? I don't know. You know, maybe there is a little bit of balance. I, I have to say, I mean, as, as kids, as we were there at the mystery spot for that day, bringing our compasses, we were young people who were interested in science. And the debunking of it was part of the process of going, hey, look how cool we are. Look how cool science is. You know, and we were by far far not the only ones to do this, right? As I told you, there was a guy who walked by doing the same thing and he was like 40, you know? So it's part of it. I think it engenders interest in science in its own backwards way, right? It engenders interest in how do the things at the mystery spot actually happen. It these days, obviously, is going to engender a bunch of Wikipedia searches on what is a gravity hill? How does it work? How does the sort of sleight of hand of the mystery spot work? And that's interesting. And that only adds to the, the sort of scientific education. Now, I know that the cover story is very silly. You know, the meteorite has struck there and planes cannot fly over you're in a gravity vortex i know man i know but but i think most of us are grown up enough to have fun with that you know i'm sure you could find some super crazy website that talks about the gravity vortex of the mystery spot. But most people aren't going to fall for that at this point. I really don't think they are. I really going to think they're going to go for it for the fun and for the history of it and for, hey, let's have a laugh on a Saturday afternoon. So what this means is that we really have to walk a fine line as professional archaeologists and professional scientists. You know, we, we have to, of course, promote real science and real archaeology. But I think there's a moment where we can't take ourselves too seriously, right? Where if we poo-poo every single thing, we will start to lose friends, you know? I mean, hey, it's the mystery spot. You know, chill out and have a little mystery afternoon for yourself, you know? And this public interest offshoot of it, I think, is is good, you know, it, it gets people into the science or into the archaeological world. These things, it's not it's, it's not the worst things. It engenders this sort of sleuth aspect of it of, hey, I'm going to figure out the mystery. And that, that's 
that's a good thing. It, it gets you into the debunking mindset. And that's a, that's a good thing, too. You know how many people have brought compasses with them up to the mystery spot to, to show that it's that it's fake. You know, that that has its own fun. I mean, I think back for myself, I was totally into the whole charade of the mystery spot. I, I, I didn't even as a 14 year old, I didn't poo poo it. You know, I wasn't like, oh, the mystery spot sucks. I can't believe this is all fake. It, we we laughed with it. And none of us today are still like, there I was in the gravity vortex, right? No, we, we're like, ah, it was fun. It was, it was cool. I, I go back to at that time in my life, I, I loved watching In Search Of, which is total pseudo archaeology, but it hooked me. So this, of course, doesn't mean we suddenly agree with pseudo archaeology and go, oh, yeah, pyramids were built by aliens. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Right. We, we, we don't do that. But I think because some of these things are so popular, we use it for our own needs. Right. We go, yeah, that is, of course, fake. But I hear you. It was fun, wasn't it? And I think that keeps the door a little wider open and is a little bit more inclusive and lets people in. Right. We don't just point out how stupid you are for thinking that you were in a gravity vortex, moron. Don't you know it was a gravity hill? We all know that. You see, you got to make friends in the scientific world. You know what I mean? You got to let people in. And in my own personal experience, I've found this to really, really work where people get excited by pseudo archaeology stuff. And instead of saying, no, you're stupid, you go, Yes, I can see that. And check this out. Check out the reality and check out how awesome that is. So you got to have a little foolish fun with the mystery spot, right? Relax a little. Interesting archaeology side note. In 2014, the mystery spot was made a California historic landmark. Huh? Which I think is very fair, right? It's it, because it's historically important. Everyone in the area knows that thing. And so many of us have actually seen the bumper sticker. There is a very specific, I believe it's yellow, mystery spot bumper sticker that, that generations of kids in that area have seen over the years. You know, oh, where is that the mystery spot? So it's a piece of California culture. You know, and I think the historic landmark is great. I would not want them to tear down the mystery spot. You know, I want to enjoy it as what it is, a fun roadside attraction. So now that I've thoroughly destroyed myself as a worthwhile host for anything called a pseudo archaeology podcast, well, I guess I may or may not see you next time. But I hope you had a little fun with the mystery spot, as me and my 14-year-old friends did. And just relax in the simple pleasures of being simple. And I'll see you guys next time, after I buy a bumper sticker. Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time.
This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.